All right, welcome back to the Sports Med Analytics Podcast. I am Deepak Chona. Thank you for joining. Now, we're going to dive right in. First, I want to talk zero RB draft strategy. We're going to get to some news and updates as well, and then going to talk about some undervalued stud players. But first, we talk draft strategy. Now, I really like zero RB. The reason for that is that running back is volatile. It's the highest injury risk position. Average running back misses about three games per year. Now, if you look at why that is, receptions are a lower injury risk per play than rushes. Most likely, this is because when you're running the ball, you're usually going up the middle around big bodies, defensive ends, linebackers primarily hitting you in ways that you can't necessarily brace yourself for. On the perimeter, when you're catching the ball, that is usually going to be a safety or corner or maybe a linebacker in a way that it's usually an isolated person hitting you and more likely to be able to brace for that hit in a way that protects your body. Now, obviously, there's a lot of exceptions to that. Wide receivers, of course, go over the middle as well. But the data shows what the data shows. So if you're thinking of going zero RB, who should you be targeting? Well, as we mentioned, the lowest risk is wide receivers who line up wide. And using PFF data, that will be Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Tyreek Hill, Stephon Diggs, and Devontae Adams for me in the first pick. But then you have to take running backs. And if you're going to take running backs early, we would target players who get touches through receptions as well as carries. But it's all about that ratio of receptions to carries for the running back position. And that's going to be Christian McCaffrey, of course, Austin Eckler, projected to be Bijan Robinson, who projects as potentially our lowest risk amongst the top running backs. And then Saquon Barkley. I know we've heard a lot about his training camp holdouts, but as we've discussed previously, training camp holdouts don't tend to result in more injuries. So not too worried on Barkley there. Now, we do have at the top of drafts some other options that are a little bit riskier than their peers at around that ADP value. And that is, for example, Travis Kelsey. Now, he's tempting, especially for a zero RB drafter, but just the fact that his age is tied to durability risk for his position and playing style is a little bit of reason to pause for concern. And then you have a guy like Jonathan Taylor. Now, if you're going zero RB, obviously you're not looking at Jonathan Taylor. He's going in round one pretty consistently. But Taylor has pretty low passing game involvement. Add in the fact that Anthony Richardson is projected to get a lot of the touches in the red zone with his 6'4 frame. And then additionally, that mobile quarterbacks like Anthony Richardson don't historically dump off much to the running back position. So overall, a lot of reasons that we're going to be fading Jonathan Taylor this year, but not even really considering him if you're going zero RB. And then you have Debo Samuel. Now, the upside with Debo Samuel comes a lot from this running game. You know he's going to get touches. But unfortunately, it also means that his play style results in a 20% higher injury rate than the typical wide receiver. We have seen Debo Samuel get injured in recent years. Uh, With that, we don't necessarily see lingering impact from any of his types of injuries. But still, we don't want to be dealing with those missed games from a position where we could opt for someone safer at a comparable ADP. And then we have 
Najee Harris. Now, Najee Harris is a little bit undervalued in some ways because of last year's Liz Frank's injuries that really impacted his first six games. And we'll talk about his efficiency impact, uh, the efficiency impact of his injury shortly here. But we also just want to keep in mind that Najee Harris has had multiple Liz Frank sprains. To my knowledge, none that were operative. But nonetheless, this is something that tends to have a high recurrence rate for the running back position. And then we have a couple guys who have non-concerning recent injury histories, but not really getting a price reduction early on in drafts. And those would be Cooper Cup. The high ankle sprain isn't concerning really at all. And his was actually almost treated without surgery, which suggests it shouldn't have much performance impact going forward. Then you have Tony Pollard. Now, ankle fractures look pretty bad sometimes, and Tony Pollard's did, but uh, again, not expecting any performance hit because the six-month dip that results should be over by week one. And then if we're looking at a few players near the top of drafts and a little bit near the middle of drafts where you may get some value because they were hurt last year, uh, those would be guys like Justin Herbert. Now, he had a rib injury last year. It affected his deep balls and his high-velocity throws. Uh, it's really impossible to rotate your body forcefully the way you have to to throw a football with that rib injury without feeling significant pain. And Herbert's QBR showed it. It dropped 11 points over the following seven games after the injury. And then another star quarterback, Bill's Josh Allen. Now, I wouldn't necessarily say Josh Allen is undervalued because he's obviously going around the top of drafts. But you do have to look at last year's stats with a grain of salt. He sprained his elbow, his UCL, the Tommy John ligament, pretty badly from video. He was able to keep playing, but his throwing motion changed. If you look at the tape, he resulted in a more vertical throwing motion, and that's because that puts less stress on this ligament. However, his QBR dropped from 75 pre-injury to 65 post. And then his best wide receiver, Stefan Diggs. Now, Josh Allen's injury injury clearly hurt Diggs. Pre-injury, Diggs was putting up 107 yards per game. Post, more like 67. And then you look at the Lions, Amon Ross St. Brown. Now, he had an early ankle injury, and it dropped his numbers by almost 50%. He put up 86 yards per game when healthy, only 44 during the six games after injury. And then moving to a pretty promising backfield, the Eagles' DeAndre Swift, he battled an AC joint plus a high ankle. A high ankle itself would be projected to drop a running back's performance by about at least 20%, but add in the AC joint, and it's hard to imagine him being anywhere near 100% for most of last year since these injuries occurred relatively early on. So you have to factor in that large dip to his numbers when looking at DeAndre Swift. And then you look at his durability. This is always a question with Swift. It does seem like he misses games just about every year, but it's actually only been about league average in terms of his number of games missed, two to three per year. And that's, as we said earlier, about average for the running back position. No red flags in the injury history here, but certainly if you're taking DeAndre Swift, we are also thinking about taking one of his backups, probably Rashad Penny as well. And then... As we mentioned with the Steelers' Najee Harris, the Liz Frank heard his stats for weeks one through six as as expected, really. During that time, he was 3.2 yards per carry. 
after the recovery, he was 4.1 yards per carry the rest of the way. And the Steelers never gave him less than 17 carries per game. So you have to think Najee Harris is going to get the ball. He's probably going to look like who we saw in the second half. The question with him is is going to be health and specifically with the recurrent Liz Frank sprains. He's a little riskier than your average running back. But overall, probably about a, about a slight undervalue for Najee Harris right now. And then we have Travis Etienne. Now, with the Drags drafting another running back and really openly talking about planning to getting getting him involved, people seem to be down on Travis Etienne. One thing that you should keep in mind is that when young running backs <clears throat> come off of surgery, it tends to take them three to four games to ramp up their touches. And Etienne, of course, had the big Liz Frank injury going into last year. So he hit 56 yards per game over that first few game stretch and his snap counts were down. And then the rest of the way, he was closer to 100 yards per game. It's hard for us to imagine a third year running back and really a second year healthy running back taking a step back in this offense with Trevor Lawrence really kind of ascending fast. We think this could be a real steal in in drafts. And then not a stud, but definitely a valuable contributor to your fantasy team, Cowboys Michael Gallup. For a 50th percentile wide receiver coming off of a January ACL, the data was very clear last year. You should have expected the dip for Michael Gallup, and it's really exactly what we saw. But that same data very strongly predicts a bounce back year for Gallup coming up. We're not really sure how Brandon Cooks plays into things there, but you have to figure Gallup's going to look better. He's going to be more efficient than before. And with that offense, they do tend to pass the ball. So we have to think Michael Gallup's in for a better year than last year. And now we have a few quick hit updates from around the league. Starting with the Chiefs, Isaiah Pacheco. He had labrum surgery and hand surgery. It's pretty impressive, actually, that he played through both of those last year, especially in the Super Bowl, where he played very well. Now, the return from labrum surgery tends to be about four to six months. He had his surgery late February or early March. So with that timeline, we would certainly expect him back by the end of August. I'm not overly concerned that he's going to miss any time, expecting him to be 100% for week one. And running backs coming off of this injury have a relatively low re-injury risk in the short term upon their return and they don't see any performance dip historically. Now, less optimism on the Broncos' Javante Williams. We are hearing some positive headlines. Perhaps Javante Williams is going to be avoiding the pup list. It remains to be seen. But his ADP will certainly rise if that does happen. We'd still be skeptical that he'll be ready for a major workload in Week 1. Now, you have to remember, J.K. Dobbins took 13 months from this injury And J.K. Dobbins is a 90-plus percentile athlete. Javante Williams is more like 60 to 70 for his position. And with this type of injury, you usually see a 20 or more percent dip in the efficiency early on. And as we mentioned with Travis Etienne, these running backs tend to take at least three or four games to ramp up their touches. Javante Williams is not a typical ACL. He had another ligament, probably some meniscal work done too. So altogether pretty big hit to the knee so we're optimistic for Javante and the second half of the season but not so much early on and that's not unlike what we saw with J.K. Dobbins last year you may remember he 
said he was going to be ready for week one. He did not really play early on, and then he was ramped up over the course of three to four games and then had to have a repeat surgery that sent him back a few weeks. So when he came back, J.K. Dobbins at the end of last year was averaging about 100 yards per game, six yards per carry over the last five to six games. So it certainly does look like a recoverable injury, but it does take time, and that early return is not always favorable. And then we have another Raven, Rashad Bateman. Now, he was put on the did-not-report list or the reserve list, but we're not worried about him missing week one. He's likely ramping up right now. He had a Liz Frank last year, and then they had hardware removed from that foot, which is pretty common. And then he had a steroid shot in minicamp, and that shut him down, made him miss a few weeks there. It's not necessarily of concern, and the reason is that this whole process is part of what we would consider the return from the Liz Frank, the removal of hardware, sometimes the injection. All of this is not out of the realm of, of relatively normal, although it's certainly not ideal. So we're expecting Rashad Bateman to play week one, probably 85% explosiveness at that point, and our data projects him to return to 100% by late October. And then Odell Beckham Jr. Now, this is a really interesting one. Odell came out and said, I didn't have an ACL. Neil Elitrosh, the doctor for the Rams, came down from uh, during a practice once he got traded to the Rams after having an MRI on his knee and saying that you don't have an ACL. It is okay for you to play. Uh, but the only way that really would happen, if that's truly what, what did happen, is that Odell Beckham had a repair of his ACL and not a reconstruction. Now, a reconstruction means you take a piece of tissue from the body and you put it in place of the old ACL and basically allow that to, to become the new ligament. And there's some modern data about repair techniques and, and uh, there's a lot of controversy within orthopedics ab about who should get these and who should not. Most people wouldn't put them in NFL players for this reason, that there's a risk that they don't take well. And the one good thing, though, is that after the second surgery, so after the ACL repair fails and the patient has a reconstruction, we have a little bit of limited data out there, but it does suggest that that is a little more favorable of a comeback than having had two reconstruction procedures. So overall, we're expecting Odell Beckham around the 18-month performance hit, and he'll actually be at 19 by week one. So we do expect full pre-injury explosiveness by the start of the season. And then we have a quick note on the Raiders' Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, his surgery was reported as a cleanup procedure. It was really more likely a delayed fusion, meaning they put the bones together with plates and screws. Because he had surgery in a delayed fashion, we aren't expecting the typical 10 to 12 month Liz Frank return timeline, more likely the four to six month. And again, because Jimmy Garoppolo, his playing style is not reliant on mobility or agility. And that's really what's going to be most affected by the Liz Frank. So for a pocket quarterback, we very much expect him to be out there with a without a much of a performance hit when he does return and it's a really strong likelihood that he's ready by the start of week one and that's all we have for today if you like what you hear don't forget to hit us up twitter tiktok youtube instagram 
and website coming soon. In the meantime, keep winning your leagues.